Hi, I'm Dana Stevens, Slate's movie critic, and this is a Slate spoiler special on the History Boys. Now remember, what a spoiler special is, is an opportunity for us to go through and spoil all the secrets that we can't spoil in a movie review. So if you're planning to see the History Boys and you don't want to know what happens, don't listen to the podcast yet. So I'm here today with Tim Noah, a Slate senior writer. Hi, Tim. Hi, Dana. And we um, had the pleasure of seeing History Boys together a couple weeks ago. Uh, you were an ideal companion because you had actually seen the uh, original London production on stage a few years back. So I'm going to rely on you for just a brief little bit of plot summary so people know the basic outlines of the story. And if you could also maybe just say a word or two about Alan Bennett, the playwright, that would be great. Um, the History Boys is about a number of boys who are the equivalent of what we would call high school students in the United States um, in Yorkshire. Um, lower middle class kids who have, by virtue of passing their, I can never remember whether it's the A levels or the O levels, but the, the college qualifying exam uh, under the old system in Great Britain, have a chance to get into a university, and their headmaster gets very excited about the prospect of getting as many of them as he can into Oxford or Cambridge. Uh, he clearly wants to do this for superficial, tarnished reasons having to do with his own career and the status of the school. The boys are placed in the care of two teachers, two teachers uh, who were featured in the film anyway. One is Hector, and the other is Irwin. Hector is an old-school teacher who wants to teach the boys the pleasures of education for its own sake. Uh, he quotes poetry. He has the boys engage in all sorts of playful exercises. He doesn't give a damn about whether they go to Oxford or Cambridge. He just wants them to take away from his class a love of learning. Irwin is his opposite in just about every way. Uh, Irwin is a somewhat slick character who is hired by the headmaster to put some polish on these kids so that they will be acceptable to Oxford and Cambridge for all the meretricious reasons that the headmaster presumes will get them in. And Irwin turns out to be just the man to do it. He uh, instructs them not to state facts as they are known, but to challenge every preconceived notion they can in a kind of gaudy way to dazzle the dons on the admissions board. And the movie is pretty much about the conflict that plays out through the boys themselves, not so much directly between Hector and Irwin as through the boys themselves. So since so much of the movie revolves around these two different kinds of teaching, when I hear this teacher wants them to challenge assumptions, I think, well, he must be the good guy teacher. And it actually took me a while, pretty far into the movie, to sort of discover that Irwin is actually being set up as the bad guy teacher. And uh, the, I think the reason it took so long for me to catch on to that is that I was just going in thinking, hey, challenging assumptions is good. You know, it's, it's the dead poet society model of teaching. And, and groping boys is bad. We might as well give that away here on the spoiler podcast that, you know, the, the twist at the end is that, Hector loses his job three-quarters of the way through the movie or so because he's been groping the boys on the way home from school on his motorcycle. He gives them a ride home, and he has this sort of habitual and, and rather uh, touchingly pathetic little one grope that he um, has given to each boy in his classroom, which the boys laugh off, but he does end up losing his job because of it. So again, coming into it as an American movie watcher and not knowing the play, you're thinking, oh, well, a gay pedophile teacher, he's got to be the bad guy. It's funny. I think your American perspective on this actually lends the movie a little more complexity than is really there. I like the movie very much. 
But one problem I had was I thought that Irwin was too obviously the villain, and I was partly influenced by the play, in which he is much more obviously the villain. So I would say the movie is a great improvement on the play, which is much more rigged against Irwin. But I, I, yeah, I think that Bennett is too contemptuous of this notion of challenging received wisdom. And I mean, I think that's what intellectual debate is all about. And he caricatures it horribly in both the play and the movie as just this cynical trick uh, meant to impress clever people and that all the true verities are eternal and must never be challenged. And if you presume to see something about some recognized piece of history that has not been seen by the great ones who came before you, then you must be a fraud. Can we talk a little bit about the uh, pedophilia angle in the movie? It almost seems like too harsh of a term for the kind of gentle gropings of the very lovable character of Hector. But I, I wonder what you would have to say about um, you know, the way this movie handles that storyline. Right. It's really sort of seen as, as something that's a slightly sad foible on the part of the hero, Hector, uh, the boys are uh, tolerant of it. They're extremely sophisticated sexually in general. And if anything, they're, they're somewhat titillated to know about their teacher's weakness. Yeah, there, aren't they sort of arguing who's going to get the ride home from him today? Oh, it's my turn to get groped today or whatever. They're kind of, you know, tossing back and forth the hot potato of who's going to get that day's groping. Right. But it's annoyance rather than dread that they, they oh, feel absolutely. for it. All right. Um, Tim, you keep mentioning Alan Bennett, the playwright, and I'm normally talking about a film. I mean, people will sort of talk about the director as the author. The director of this movie, Nicholas Heitner, actually is uh, somebody who's worked with Bennett before on uh, The Madness of King George. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about Alan Bennett, who's such a big figure in Britain, but most American audiences are going to have no idea who he is? Yeah, Bennett is, is uh, he enjoys this kind of Garrison Keillor-like status in Britain, although I think probably more intensely beloved than Garrison Keillor, and, and he has kind of a higher intellectual standing. But it's it, that same sort of cuddly feeling um, that people have towards Bennett's humor as they have towards Keillor's humor here. He's never really uh, translated especially well to American audiences. Um, he is very self-consciously disdainful of anything that he sort of perceives to be kind of slick and overly sophisticated. And that, that comes across in the history boys, in his attitude towards Oxford and Cambridge. And you almost have to remind yourself as you're watching it, this is written by a guy who attended Cambridge and uh, did quite well there and seems now to have, uh, in fact, in an introduction he wrote to the play, he, he talks about his shame at having been so good at pleasing the dons. All right, as long as we're spoiling things, Tim, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the twist after a twist, where um, toward the end of the movie, after Hector gets fired for his, his motorcycle groping right by the headmaster, why is it that Dakin, who's sort of the stud that several different characters are in love with, right, the object of several boys' desires and men's desires, why does he decide to blackmail the school's headmaster into bringing Hector back? It's sort of a, an 11th hour plot twist that we don't see the motivation for necessarily. Dakin has been, you know, playing the angles for himself all the way through the movie and doesn't seem more invested in this teacher than anyone else. And I, I didn't quite understand what this was doing at the end of the movie. Yes, in fact, he seems probably less invested in Hector than the others. He's, he's, he's clearly someone who's really only out for himself and vaguely cynical about school in general. And yet he decides uh, at the very end of the film that he is going to walk into the headmaster's office and he blackmails the headmaster. He says, you can't fire Hector for groping boys because if you do, I will reveal that you have been chasing your secretary around her desk which he knows because he's been having sex with the 
secretary himself. So at the 11th hour, Hector is saved and hurrah, he won't be fired after all. Uh, but then Hector gets on his motorcycle and gives Erwin a ride. And the next thing we know, uh, there's been a motorcycle accident. Hector has died. Erwin has a broken leg, which is an improvement on the play in which uh, Bennett hated him so much that he left him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. So he resurrects Hector just so he can kill him off again, literally. And I, I was sort of scratching my head about that. And, and the, the best I could come up with was that Bennett didn't want the movie to end with, uh, and play, to end with uh, Hector being a victim of wagging tongues. He wanted Hector to be a victim of fate, because Hector is a larger figure than that. He should be brought down by something grander than, than an overseen grope. I have a question for you. Um, you have been a teacher, and I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were about uh, Bennett's take on teaching uh, with respect to Hector. That's a good question. There was a great line. Um, I think it's Hector that utters it at one point. Is when the headmaster brings him in and you know starts to first get on him about this this groping problem. But before the actual firing, it doesn't he say something like, "All great teaching is a is an erotic act." I can't remember the exact phrasing, but um, yes. I thought that was a, one of the, the greatest lines in the movie and really sort of, in some ways, um, the hidden theme of the movie and something that, you know, not a lot of movies about teaching would necessarily dare to say. Um, you know, whether it's actually desublimated and turned into a motorcycle grope or not, it seems like it's true, you know, from Plato on that the great teachers are often taken on as erotic objects in some way. I think, yeah, you are made to feel as though uh, even if he had never laid a hand on any of these boys, he would have made love to all of them in this most wonderful, glorious way that they will carry with them to the end of their lives. All right. Well, Tim, we could talk all day about this movie, but overall, would you say that you recommend this movie to people? I do very much. I think it's a wonderful, funny movie with terrific performances by all of the kids and by uh, Richard Griffiths, who plays Hector, and anyone who is at all interested in teaching. I think it leaves you with a lot to think about. I'm with you there. I think it's full of energy and charm. I think a lot of people are going to come down on it and call it a stagey picture because it's clearly a filmed play. But it's such a good filmed play that I really hope it, it does as well as it deserves to here in the U.S. All right. Well, Tim, thank you for coming to the movie with me the other day. And, uh, and thank you for joining me on this Slate spoiler special. Thank you for bringing me along and thanking you for including me in the spoiler. For Slate.com, this is Dana Stevens. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.